Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our GYST podcast, where we help you get your together. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast, the GYST podcast, also known as Get Your She Together. My man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We are excited to bring you this episode. We're doing something different today. And what is that? We're recording on a Friday. Oh, shit. And what does that mean, Kyle? That means shots. Shots on air. Clinky, clinky. Oh, that was a unique noise. Glenn's drinking out the bottle, guys. Mm. Good shit, good shit. Man. That's not bad, but that's not the greatest rum. Oh, the Castillo? Yeah. Yeah. Do you love it? How do you feel about it? No, it's just it's just a cheaper rum. My favorite is cruising. Just take shots out. Cruising rum, if you'd like to support the GYST podcast, we'd be more than happy to take your products. Yeah, you would. They're blackstrap molasses rum. Oh man. Sorry. Um so yeah, so we are recording on a Friday. Uh we had a a fairly packed week and so we couldn't record on our normal day. So we moved it to Friday. We had some Normally we start recording at 6 p.m. <laughs> right now it's it's 8:30. Uh but it was good. It was good. We we talked a lot about the podcast, the direction that we want to go in and and we're doing some some pretty amazing stuff that Kyle will fill you in on. A little bit later um he's involved glenn's involved so we've got a lot going on i'm gonna fill them in right now here's kyle reed ladies and gentlemen we're gonna put together some phenomenal material for you one of the biggest things we put together is uh, a guide to kill procrastination in your life we all procrastinate how do we get around that so we put together a guide kind of five steps or guidelines if you will that will help you eliminate procrastination from your life and uh, essentially get over procrastination. It's it's not just a couple of action items. It's things that you can really feel and remember. And these are going to allow you to really take huge strides towards your goals. So um, I highly recommend all of our listeners go hit up the website, gystpodcast.com. Take a look at that guide. Uh, Rohit, what do they have to do? Just put in the email and they get a free download of this guide? Or what are, what are the steps? Can we write on the homepage? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's right on the front page of GYSTpodcast.com. Uh, you'll see our procrastination guide. You can tell I'm not the web developer. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just pop in your email address and, and we'll send it to you. We're, we're not going to spam you or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, here you go. We just want to make sure it gets in the right hands. This is a guide that we have put together meticulously by reviewing not only our own, habits of procrastination but we also want to present solutions so we talk about not only why do you procrastinate but how do you, how do you combat it in your everyday day-to-day life and so procrastination is something that our listeners have identified as a problem for them and so we want to address that so we put it out on facebook a lot of our social media stuff uh instagram especially that was the feedback we got is how to fight procrastination so that's what we gave you guys Done. Ask and you shall receive. You know where to find it. You know where we at. Fellas, this evening's episode, Glenn, first of all, hold on. Let's share with the audience this evening who is with us tonight. First of all, you've got my man to my right. Glenn Rucks here. Glenn, giggity Glenn, my man. I appreciate it. Secondly, you've got your man, Kyle Reed. And I am Rohila. Are you? I am. Are you really? Last I checked my fake ID. 
<laughs> good shit, good shit. This evening's episode, I'm going to let Glenn introduce it. We were discussing a few things before the podcast this evening, and uh, this topic came up. And Glenn mentioned it, and I just fell in love with it, and I was like, yo, let, let I love it, let's do it. Glenn, you want to intro this episode to the listeners today? You know, I got to tell you, one thing that I was thinking about is, does our audience really know us? Mm-hmm. We want to give them a chance to get to know us. So we're going to talk about a few things that are near and dear to our hearts, stuff that's helped shape who we are today. We're going to talk about us, help you guys get to know us, and hopefully... Uh, you can see why we've developed into the people we are now and why we've headed the direction we're going. I dig it. I dig it. So with that, as we kick it off, do you want to kick it off with something? Glenn, who is Glenn Rucks? Who's who my man Glenn Rucks? Glenn where's, Rucks? Where is he from? How does he move? What type of drugs does he prefer on a Friday evening? Oh, man. My drug, <laughs> of, my drug of choice right now is Sea of Thieves. Oh, but, shit. Yeah, i got to tell you, you know, just uh, sailing the seas. No, but... Um, I get it. I, I have a very big influence in the, you know, or I guess one of the biggest influences in my life has been my family. I've grown up in a Christian church, a Christian mm-hmm. family. A lot of uh, the influence comes from my dad being a pastor and having to live that um, image of a good Christian family for <laughs> for the church. Um, you know, there's there's this running joke around there. People say, "Oh, he's a pastor's kid. He's a pastor's kid. He does this. He does that." Well, yeah, that's true. You know, the pastor's kids are are usually the wild children. I grew up always liking the pastor's daughter. That's yeah. That's what you hear, right? Pastor's daughter is always easy because they've been repressed. She's well, the, the rebel. The pastor's son is always rebellious. Is always always doing all the stuff that gets him into trouble. Why? Because they're repressed. And I got to tell you. There's a lot of truth to it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of truth. What kind of trouble did you get into in Stevenson? Oh God, yeah, it was. It wasn't just Stevenson, but Stevenson, Washington, just for. Oh yeah, Stevenson, yeah, yeah. Stevenson, Washington, right on the Columbia. Uh, you know, when when my family moved to Stevenson, Washington, I was I don't know, about sixteen, seventeen, maybe. Oh, were you? Uh, okay, yeah. Um, I had just finished high school and. Uh, my my dad took over the pastorship of a small church in Stevenson, Washington, Stevenson Church of the Nazarene. And the first day, I mean, literally, I moved my first box into into the bedroom I had chosen at, at, at the parsonage. And for those that don't know, a parsonage is a house that the church owns for the pastor's family. Um, it's just to help them with with cost of living, especially since they don't really get paid a lot in small churches. Um. I mean, because it's part of the income. Right. It's it's part of the income, right. So um, I moved a box into the house. It was our first visit to the house. We knew we were going to take the church. We knew that, uh, you know, I was going to pick my room first because I'm the eldest of the two children in the house. Um, I put my box, which was filled with goosebumps. Mag- uh, books? Books, you know, the, from R.L. Stein. And you know what? I, I used to love those books. I had the entire collection. But the image for a church, especially in a small town, is those books are... Um, They're the devil. They, yeah, literally. I mean, if you've ever seen Waterboy, you, you would see Waterboy's mom popping up. They're the devil. 
And they literally, they they they, <laughs> they went through the parsonage to make sure it was clean, but they found this box, so they open it and they go through and they see all these Goosebumps books with evil-looking images on the cover, and automatically that's the first thing they called my dad about. What's your son bringing into this house? And Stevenson, Washington, Stevenson, is a super Washington. small town, very super very small, small town. town. Everyone's related. Wow. Um, probably not, but you know, pretty close. So it's imagine. one of those one of those small towns. Yeah, and some right? people are related to the cattle. <clears throat> I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> I don't think they have cattle. Uh, sheep. Maybe. They have a brewery there, though. Yeah, they do have Walking Man Brewery. Very very uh, small town. They didn't always have that brewery. No, it seemed I, fairly new. I, I drank beer in it. Yeah, <laughs> but the first thing I had to do was, you know, my first experience with that church was having to write a letter of apology. For the Goosebumps books? For the Goosebumps books. Wow. And then I had to go and throw the books away. Something I really loved. Something that I enjoyed because it was kind of an escape. It was a fantasy realm that I could go, you know what, I don't have to think of anything. This is a cool story. I can relate to some of these characters. I'm having fun. And Really, they're harmless stories. Had your dad been a pastor before that? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. He'd been he'd been pastor of many other churches before that. Uh, like I said, I grew up in a church where my dad was a pastor, pretty much my entire life. Mm. And um, just that one, that one moment where someone complained at the church, and automatically now I have to toe the line, and set up that perfect Christian family image. And. Um, I don't know, that, that had a big negative impact with me and how I felt about churches in general. It explains why you're such a raging atheist today. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> not a raging atheist. No, I'm still, I'm I'm still quite kidding. Christian, but um, I have a problem with organized churches. And it's because people can be too political and image conscious. And that's where that stems from. From your days in Stevenson, right? Well, that's that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's literally the problem with with that I see with churches is a lot of people get hung up on how they look to others, rather than how they look to God. And it, it really put that harsh feeling towards the people in that church just on my first day. So mm-hmm. I automatically had a negative image of the people I would be sitting beside and worshiping beside for. The next three years, hmm. as you as you're told and guided that to, to leave judgment up to God, so many people were doing it to you. Literally, yeah, that sucks. That's that's, that's definitely a challenging first experience to have in a new town. That's for sure. Very much so. Can't relate. My dad was <laughs> not in the church. <laughs> <laughs> But that's good. Thank you for sharing that, man. It's definitely uh, shaped my view Yeah. to this day. What are some good memories you may have of Stevenson or, or wherever? You know, in Stevenson, I probably had the best experience. I had some of the best pets that I have ever owned when yeah. I lived in Stevenson. By pets, you, dogs, cats, dogs, iguanas, dogs, rabbits. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah, I, I, someone in the church had a... Rottweiler, mm-hmm. named Oscar. He couldn't take care of him, was never around for him. So, you know what? I got this Rottweiler from him. He gave him over to me because I was, you know, I didn't have a job, sitting around at home. And uh, this big dog was just a big puppy to me. Hmm. So I took Oscar in and 
Man, that dog was was with me everywhere. He even uh, towed me around on my bike. Oh yeah. If I couldn't get up a hill, I just hitched him to the front of the, That's <laughs> the awesome. bike and had him tow me up there. And this great. town is right on the Columbia River. Yes. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the Columbia River, one of the, one of the largest rivers in the country. So the the base of the town was at essentially sea level, more or less, pretty close to it. Pretty close. So you had nothing but hills around it because there's it's like it's kind of a canyon as well, right? Oh yes. Man. I also got my first dachshunds there. What? My first dachshunds. The there. type of dog you're saying? Yes. Got it. Nice. Lena dogs. All right. I got like Chewy it. while I was there. Chewy? And he passed away not too long ago. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, man. I missed out on Chewy. Good dog. Lazy dog. Lazy dog? Too funny. Good shit. Good shit, good shit. Good shit squared. Man. So Glenn from a small town. Where were you? Where were you born, brother? <laughs> uh, well, I was born and raised in Compton. Compton, my man. Lived most of my young life in California. So. Yeah, and then you came up here. Uh, I've been all over the place. Probably yeah. thirty-three different houses. Probably about eighteen different cities. And wow, <laughs> what, what brought you there? Was it the, was it your dad being a pastor? Yeah, mainly. Um, the Nazarene Church is a lot like, um, I guess, a lot like the military, the military, right? They bounce around. They tell their pastors where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they've got a pastor that's of a really big, large church, that pastor will probably be staying there forever. Yeah. But then they've got these building pastors that go and build up a church for one of those got it for retiring a, a pastors to come in and take over and live out the rest of their life at. Got it. Whereas my dad was one of those building pastors, so we moved around a lot. Hmm. So just like a military family. Oh, yeah. I cannot relate to that. I've lived in, essentially, Tacoma, Washington my entire life, but I love it, Mm -hmm. And and I don't really want to move anywhere else. It would take a lot for me to go somewhere else. Which, you know, being part of that church family, you know, moving around so much, um, I've discussed this in a previous episode. It's harder to make friends when you move around as much as I have. Oh yeah, you mentioned military families, and we we hear uh, we hear that about you know children who are army brats or whatever you want to call. They it, never right? really have the time to develop those relationship skills. No, yeah, my my mom and uncles on my mom's side of the family were were army brats. They bounced around a lot. My grandpa was in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and. Um, Part of why I'm like a Lakers and a Rams fan. People were like, "Why are you not a Seahawks fan?" I fucking hate the Seahawks. I can't stand them. Sorry guys, but I hate them. I'm a Rams fan. My mom's side of the family spends a lot of time in Southern California and Hawaii, so they're huge Lakers fans and LA Rams fans before they moved to St. Louis and came back. Um, but I, I hear stories from my uncles about how when they lived in Hawaii, they got in like they lived in in on Oahu in Kalihi Valley. And they would like get in fights with local kids because they weren't, they weren't local kids. They were Hapa kids, half Asian mixed kids, living on Hawaii, um, and on Oahu that didn't, so to speak, belong there, right? So they they probably went through a lot of the same things that you went mm-hmm. through. I can't say the same myself. I've been lucky enough to to kind of have some roots settled in Tacoma, but I, I do kind of understand where you're coming from secondhand, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, everyone knows at least one military family out there. Oh, yeah, especially in our area, right? We've got huge military bases around here. Fort Lewis, McCord, huge, yep. huge. 
Bro, you haven't said one fucking word. No, I did the introduction. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's interesting. I, so one of the reasons why we wanted to do this for you guys and in, in speaking to the audience at home is because each, each of us who's involved in this podcast, we now, because of this podcast, listen to other podcasts. And, um, for example, uh, as I've shared on air, I'm, I've gone the entrepreneurial route. And a couple of people that I really listen to, like Amy Porterfield, David Seidman Garland, um, when, when they do episodes about who they are, it's, it's really impactful because you, you can relate to them. And that's, what, that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to do this, was to create re- relatability. So you guys know a lot of the obstacles that you're facing were obstacles that we faced. So if you grew up in a small town, like Stevenson, Washington, we got you covered. If you grew up with bullets flying around everywhere in Compton or in Tacoma, <laughs> we got you covered there too. Um, but but it's just the relatability factor because even though we've been doing this for a while now, this is episode 129, three years now, this podcast has been around. We haven't arrived. We aren't like, listen to us because you know we're the best out there. We struggle all the time. At the beginning of this episode, we talked about how we are we usually record at six, but today we're recording at eight thirty, and a lot of that was fine tuning our own craft. We're, we took an open, honest look at the podcast, took a look at where our weaknesses are, where the good times are, and and we started adjusting our sales to bring a better product, not only for you guys who are listening to this all around the world, except for Wyoming. <laughs> Still blows me away. Wyoming has zero <clears throat> listens. They have zero internet. Like, and, and where's Bobby Brooks? Talk about how she's going to go there and... Wyoming is North Korea. We're calling you out, Bobby. We probably have more... We would have more in North Korea. I Every bet. time I see her at work, <laughs> I call her out. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the reason why we're doing this is because we struggle every day and we want to bring the best product to you guys. Not only for you guys everywhere around the world, but for ourselves as well. For three years now, we have been learning and fine-tuning. And I can guarantee you the Kyle Reed who's sitting across from me right now is not the Kyle Reed who was here three years ago. The Glenn who's next to me right now is not the Glenn who was here nine months ago. As we're learning, we share our experiences with you guys. And that's why we're doing this is to let you know that the stuff that you're struggling with is stuff that we struggle with every day. We're just fortunate enough to have a microphone and we can talk out loud and help each other. And that's what this is about. That's why we're here. And so episodes like this are crucial because of that reason, the, the relatability. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? What's, what's your story? My story, my goodness, it begins and ends with me. Um, man, you know, I'm from... from from the area to come wash out. I had the pleasure to live here my whole life. I predominantly grew up in a traditional middle-class household in South Tacoma. Um, my life took a turn and I began on my journey of personal development before I even knew it. Um, as an adolescent, my mom got involved with drugs and became uh, a, an, an addict of crack cocaine. So I, I lived that 
through my middle school and high school years, my most impressionable years, right? So I dealt with a lot of things that most preteens and early teenagers shouldn't have to deal with. It became normalized for me. So I began to adapt to my environment and develop skills that have given me the ability today to adapt to any environment that I'm in. And, um, and growing up, were there other people that you knew um, in, in like your circle of friends or something like that, that, that parents part, you know, no. participated in this as well? No, not really. Um, and do you think that's because you weren't expressive about what was going on or it just wasn't the norm? It wasn't the norm. The friends that I hung out with, um, uh, the people I hung out with at that time are not successful individuals today. I don't love them any less. I wouldn't change any decisions I made in the past. I feel like the positions that I was put in allowed me to learn from things and make decisions that I've been able to make up to this day and, and future state going forward. Um, I was embarrassed about it as a child because I felt that I would be judged. Um, I mentioned earlier today, I don't really drink coffee much because I'm afraid of addiction and caffeine is very addictive. So I drink coffee every once in a while. I'm looking at a coffee right now that I've drank half of. It's the first coffee I've had in a few weeks. So that is something that's shaped me today. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't expressive of it. It wasn't a secret because people who were around me knew um, I would avoid going home. I didn't want to go home. And I didn't really want to talk about it as much either because I just wanted to be me. I wanted people to see me for me and not see me for what's happening at home and judge me for that because I'm not that. Now, as an adult, I'm okay talking about it. But it took me a very, very long time to, to accept it and realize that it doesn't make me defective. It makes me better. Not that I'm better than you or Glenn or anybody listening, but I'm better than the Kyle that wouldn't have had to go through that. And I was practicing personal development before I even knew it. That's who Kyle Reed is. So I'm sure there were a lot of you know nights just laying there in bed, staring at a window, just trying to process. I'm, I'm just imagining like like a younger child who is is understanding what drugs are firsthand and what uh, a parent going through that firsthand would be like. And like you said, um, I still remember the first time you shared it on air. That was the first time I had ever heard the story. Mm. And what was, was impactful for me is since then you brought it up a couple times and used it as a propellant for your own life. Especially when you when you understand, and one of, one of the things that I really appreciate about your journey and, and sharing your journey with us is you make and have marked a complete distinction between the struggles your mom went through and the love you have for her. Because you realize they're not connected. Mm. 
And that is powerful because a lot of people wouldn't feel the same way. They would say, wow, you know, my, my, my parent who growing up and, and watching all these, you know, super parents is supposed to act one way. And what I'm seeing is, is different. Therefore, I should love that person less. You may have experienced that as a child. You don't experience it now. In fact, it's, it's just the opposite to where you found strength in it. Even when you talked about gifting. Oh, yeah. And how you were talking about how you were hesitant to gift your mom beforehand. Because if you gave her something of value, you didn't know how long she would have it before she turned around. Yeah. Now you realize what she does with it, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. That, that's on her. That's a reflection of your love for her. And that, to me, is powerful. And so, like, when, when you share these stories, like, I, I find such, such value in it because I feel like not only do I understand you better, but I take a look at your decision-making process and how easily you could have gone one way, the, the negative way. It would have been super easy. There's tons of people out there. Nine out of ten will see it completely negative. Yeah cut their parent out of their whole life and not look back twice. Your family is very close. You know, you, your dad, your sister, your brother, you guys do stuff all the time. Yeah. But I've never heard you say, you know, none of us talk to our mom anymore or, or I don't talk to my mom anymore. You, you talk about how you still have love for her. And that to me really says a lot about the setup that you are doing to your own kids. It took a long time to get there. Let's not get it twisted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. I appreciate those kind words, and they're they're just making me a little bit emotional right now. Thank you for that. Um, there were times when I would go several months without talking to my mom, not even knowing where she was. She didn't have a permanent residence. One of my biggest fears was getting a phone call that I lost her. It took a long time to process what that means and what I felt I needed to do. And the way that shaped me was that I need to make sure that I don't let a day go by where she doesn't know that I love her. And then no matter what, she's responsible for my success. I'm proud of her. And nothing will change that. No action she can do will change that. I'm not ashamed of her. I'm not worried that someone will judge me based on my mother's actions. Or her decisions. And that I'm going to be here to support her no matter what. There were a lot of times in my life where I can't recall a feeling where I loved her less necessarily than someone would love a, a super parent, so to speak. But I do recall times where I felt a lot of anger and frustration and just, I felt that she loved me less because of some of the actions that she took. And I felt abandoned at times. And it's led me to seek validation from women as a young adult. That time has changed, but that created a behavior in me that I didn't realize for a while. But again, uh, I was practicing 
methodologies of personal development that allowed me to see these things. And as much as I would love to take away any bad experience, heartache or pain from myself or my mother or my brother and sister, my dad even, um, I don't know that I would be where I'm at today without those experiences. So I just embrace them. I embrace the people that are still in my life and I make sure they know that they matter. That's what's important to me. And it is so easy to build up resentment. It's way too easy. Way too I did it for a long time. I did it. I did it for a while. Just, I mean it I had desired reality for my mom and for my life. It didn't fit where the the path that she was being taken down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I didn't understand it for a long time. And I wanted to control it for a long time because this is what I want. This is this is the way things are supposed to go. The way, the things that I see around me, other families I see around me, this is how my family is supposed to be, but it's not. So this is my reality. You know, what's, what's interesting, I think that both of you guys had interesting childhoods that have both led you to this point right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being here in front of, you know, and, coming and, from different places, studio. different experiences, and coming to where we are here. Because, because Glenn, I mean, think thinking about having, because not not only are you living under your your father's guidance of of the church and and how one should behave, right? <laughs> should yeah. But at the same time, growing up in a small town, fair or not, you are a reflection of your father. Definitely. So you did not get a fair chance to be yourself. Oh, that's quite true. I mean, that's, it built up a lot of resentment in my life to the point where um, I shaped myself in a way to where, you know, I would go to my dad, hey, why don't you let me do uh, Sunday school for the children so that while you're doing your sermon, they're not bored and being distracted during the sermon I can take the children downstairs and we can we can do our own service down there and they can have fun and still learn and um, it just got me out of listening to him it became more about getting away from listening to him because it got boring to you after a while huh well it's not that it got boring the sermons were great sermons. it's almost a form of escapism it's, it was literally I needed to escape from that I needed to escape him and the the image that I was supposed to fit into. And you didn't want the children to fall into the same thing? Well, I I didn't want the children. To me personally, I don't even think I cared about where the children felt. Because you've got to be 100% at home, 100% at church, 100% outside. You just wanted that break. I had had to have that break where I still wanted to, to worship, but I didn't want to be... That worship, that part of the worship, that I didn't want to be involved in the image that I had to uphold all the time. So I wanted to set up a different image um, where I could sort of be myself and still be part of the church. And um, I was able to do that with the the, the children's uh, service, but I'm not going to lie, it wasn't for the children. 
So initially it was self I, I wanted I wanted to make sure they had a good time, but it really wasn't for them. It was for me. Hmm. And it took me years to even realize it. Uh, it literally built up a lot of resentment. Just the the whole image that I had to keep up the entire time. Yeah. Hell, I came across some of those kids recently. I mean, they're grown up. They're they're in their twenties now. And yeah. God, I'm old. <laughs> um, but I came across some of these kids, and they heard me curse for the first time. And man, they were shocked. Glenn. You just said a bad word. I what? Never, I never seen you play Sea of Thieves. Oh well, uh, Sea of Thieves wasn't even out at that know, point. Just, but, just, you know, just, just to give you an idea, I mean, literally, it it shocked them because it wasn't the image that they had of me. Wow. Because I had to have that perfect church family yeah. image for everyone. Everyone holds an expectation, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. I went through a very self-destructive phase. Where literally I I had a knife throwing board in my basement bedroom, where I'd practice throwing knives just to get out some of the frustration. Wow! Oh, it was great, and hiding that from my dad was difficult. <laughs> a board with a bunch of knife holes in it, and a literally. knife somewhere, and, and the outline of uh, of a human target. It was great. Yeah. No, it was very self destructive the way I was. I was angling my resentment out towards everything else. See, you know, it's, it's, it's not funny. It's obscure. I, I suppose it's going to sound really weird, but um, I used to have a cardboard cutout mm-hmm. of Carmen Electra. And I would throw knives at it. Oh, I was really good with knives after but a I little bit. I didn't think about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it in the way you did. I was just kind of like, oh, this is cool. And just like throw knives at this thing. And the cardboard cutout came from uh a family friend that worked for uh, Budweiser at the time, so it mm-hmm. was like a, it was like something that would be in a corner store, right? right. So it was like this cardboard cutout. So it was just in the corner of my room, and uh, <laughs> fucking throw knives at it. <laughs> I, but I didn't consider it the way that you're considering it. So it's like the, the activity was the same, but. Where the behavior stemmed from was different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's... Mine was more of a violent release because I, I had anger issues when I was growing up. I really mm-hmm. did. And uh, my dad recognized it. Um, there were times I felt that he was deliberately trying to push my rage. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, I get it. I understand that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just too much alike, really. Yeah. Um, and... That rage pushed me to where I had to have a venting structure, and video games weren't around then. Nintendo. Books were okay, but all my books were just taken away by Good the church, books. right? Yeah. So, um... So you threw knives at a board. And sports, there really wasn't much sports outside of the, the church softball team, which no. only played for three months. And we had, we had to travel 45 miles from Stevenson, Washington to Vancouver to, uh... Play in the church leagues. Hmm. Um, it was always fun, but again, that's three months of our time, and then yeah. the rest of the year. What do you do with nine months? What do you do with nine months of resentment yeah. and, and anger? Damn, she's getting deep. Well, you know, it's it's everyone deals with anger in different ways. Yeah. The problem is, it's a small town. I have very few friends. Hadn't built up the skills to make friends. Mm-hmm. 
and forget relationships. I mean, right. my, my first serious relationship was just a complete bomb. Yeah. I mean, dud. <laughs> I mean, it took me forever to even get up the courage to admit to this girl that I liked her. Oh, I think you talked about this before. Oh, I don't think I have. I've never told this story to anyone. Not the whole story, but I feel like I remember something about this. Um, I didn't know how to voice my my um, feelings for her, and I never have. I've always been pretty good at drawing, though. Mm. So I, I drew a, a picture. I knew she was into um, Tigger. So I drew Tigger holding a flower and then wrote out how I felt in a letter. Gave it to her at church during youth group. And next thing you know, she's laughing. Mm. As is the girl next to her. As they're reading this. Devastated me. Destroyed me. It was hard to put those feelings out there. And then to have them be taken so lightly. It's difficult to build relationships when you've gone through something like that. That's the experience that you draw on. Literally. Every time I go, okay, well, now I need to start getting into relationships. I need to get a relationship. I'm lonely at this point. Okay, well, where do I start? Hey, uh, will you go out with me? <laughs> that was never a strong suit for me. How do I approach a girl now? I've, I've kind of been lucky in, in one aspect. Didn't last as long as, as I would have loved to. <laughs> but... Uh, It, it's it's hard now, especially the more I go, you know what? Look what I've done to myself. I mean, I'm a big guy. And I, I automatically go to, okay, the shallow side. No one's going to like me for what I look like. You're cuddly. Oh, yeah, I'm cuddly. I keep them warm in the winter. That's what I'm talking about. But no one wants to be around me in the summer because then I keep them too warm. But your house is 45 degrees. <laughs> Only when Roe gets over. <laughs> is that why you always cuddle up next to him? Well, he, he's like one of those teddy bears you just pick up and carry to bed. He's pretty small. Pick him up. And... <laughs> but, uh, that, that is extremely impactful, what you just it said. It is. I want to thank you for there's, that. There's a lot of things that you don't realize how big of an impact it has until you have the time to go back later in life and you actually look you know what? Why haven't I been in a relationship? Well, have I ever gone out on a limb to tell someone how I feel? The last no. time I did that, the last this time happened, I did, I this like happened, this, yeah. and it really, it really did have such a huge negative impact on how I approach people. Yeah. From then on, you know, the girls I could never be serious with. It was never. You know, I could never have that real serious emotional time with them. So it was always, hey, let's joke around, let's have some fun. I want surface level. Just want to keep them happy, keep yeah. them laughing. Um, but even the laughter, I started to reject after a time, because it would bring me back to that laughter. Mm. It's huge, man. Powerful. Different times. You know, yeah. We all have those things that impact our lives. You grew from it. Oh, yes. Um, have I grown to the point where I have a solid relationship? No. Am I am I aware of what caused my issue? Yes. Yeah. Am I making steps to deal with that? Yes. That's where change starts. 
Exactly. First recognizing, yeah. then taking the steps. I like it. That's heavy. Thank you, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we draw near the end of, of this week's episode, let's lighten it up. Um, Go ahead. Before that, I'd, I'd just like to say one thing. Um, so I've been fairly silent on this episode. It's, it's mostly been about you guys. But one of the things that I thought about in what you guys were saying is a lyric from one of my favorite groups, The Monkees. And everyone takes a look at them, you know, hey, hey, we're the monkeys, you know, this this goofy group or whatever. But they've got some deep lyrics, and, and this is one of them. And, I, and it, especially when you two were talking, it, it came to mind. This is from their movie, Head. Um, it's called Diddy Diego. And Glenn, I felt it with you when you were talking about just growing up and not truly getting a chance to be yourself. Because not only did you have to, not only were you under the watchful eye of your father, but your mother, the impression that you were leaving on your younger sister and having to represent the Rucks family in a small town, you didn't really get a fair chance to be yourself. Kyle, for yourself, it's, it's not only is adolescence tough, but when you have a parent who's struggling through something, and that's when you are creating your identity. And to have something like this that, that you can't fully be open with, you don't know what to do, what to react. Um, I, I thought of this lyric in their song, Diddy Diego. You know we are here to please a manufactured image with no philosophies. And I, I, I thought of both of you guys because it's almost like that that's you guys. You know we're here to please who, whoever respectfully that, that be, whether it's, it's to external folks or internal folks. You know we're here to please a manufactured image with no philosophies. Only now as adults are you guys realizing the toll that that played in your lives. And where 9 out of 10 people who are not in the studio right now would not be where you guys are right now. They would use it as a complete crutch. This is why I'm not where I want to be. You want to talk about tough? You want to know what my mom was doing? You want to know about tough? I couldn't even breathe without my father being right there and misrepresenting him and the whole family and then hearing about it. I couldn't even read books. You guys weren't given a chance to be yourselves. And anybody normally outside the studio, and I'm going to say something, Kyle, that, that you'll smile at, outside the studio, anyone would be like, Glenn, Kyle, like, man, that's tough. I feel so bad for you guys. Like, what you guys went through, that that's rough. I don't do that. Because I know who you guys are now, and I don't believe in your comfort zones. Because what... For anybody else would have been something negative, would have been a reason to, you know what, I, I know I said I want a 10 out of 10 life, but here's why I'm an 8 out of 10. It's not my fault. They're looking and blaming externally. You guys aren't. You're taking a look at the external forces that held you back once upon a time, and you're using that as a propellant to move, your, move you guys forward. You're using that as a catalyst. Here's what life used to be like. Here's what life is now. Here's how I've taken this. And propelled myself forward. And I think that is the greatest lesson 
of today. Folks, like, everyone goes through their stuff. Nobody's family's perfect. We all didn't grow up like the Winslows or the Tanners or, you know, <laughs> oh, the, well, the Huxtables. Even, even or they whatever, went through their you know? troubles. Yeah. But, but the thing is, no matter what, you're going to come across a decision with every single thing that you do, every single thing that happens to you. You can use it as a, a blame or you can use it as a catalyst to move your life forward. Use it as a crutch or a catalyst. Can they both start the with C. It's up to you. Be the victor. They both start with C. It's up to you. Do what you will with it. That's why we wanted to bring you this episode. That's why I went deep. That's why we weren't looking at the time because the time ran out 10 minutes ago. <laughs> because this is the stuff that we want to bring you guys. Because we know there's people listening to this all over the world who are, who are struggling through the exact same things. They don't know. They, they, they don't know who they are. Even as adults, you have 60, 70, 80-year-olds who, who still don't know who they are because we've been spoon-fed through the times that we were kids. Okay, okay, little Johnny, it, it's time to start walking now. It's time to start using the potty now. And now it's time to start eating and, and drinking out of a sippy cup and, and so forth. And, and now you're in school. Here's your, here's your syllabus. And here's college. Okay, here's what to do next. And then you grow up. And as soon as you graduate college... You don't know what to do. That's why I think an, another reason why millennials are, are struggling so much is because they don't know what to do. You've been spoon-fed your whole life, and now all of a sudden you've graduated and you don't know what to do. For the first time in your life, you don't have someone telling you what to do. And so what do you do? You go to your friends, your circle of influence, an episode that we, I mean, a topic that we mentioned several times before. And if you don't have a strong circle of influence, you're going to do exactly what they do. Your bank account is a direct reflection of the five closest people in your life. If you aren't happy with your bank account, you need to take a look at your friends. You need to move them out and move some positive people in. And that's exactly what you guys did. Who you guys are now, Kyle, you are not the person you were three years ago when I said, all right, Kyle, we're turning on the microphone. And you're like, uh, 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 what do I talk about? I'm not ready. Glenn, you are not the same person. I was fortunate enough in March of this year to visit Stevenson, Washington with you. And I saw the, the pain that you went through. And I heard the things that you said. You are not the same person you were back then. You were a completely different person. And if there's people out there listening right now, take this as a powerful episode. 129, get to know us, the men behind the microphone. Because again, you know we are here to please a manufactured image with no philosophies. Wow. Thank you. I don't think anything else needs to be said. That's it. No, Kyle reads too bit of away. There's no, no, it's none. It's none. Because it, anything that's said next would do what you said injustice. So we're going to wrap it up right there, folks. This week's episode was initially not intended to get to where it got, but it got there. And now you know us. You know myself and Glenn quite a bit better. Rohit has shared quite a few things on this podcast, and we'll get him to share some more things with you as well tell a couple of stories um but it's something we want to continue to do so we thank you again for tuning in this week to another fantastic episode of your favorite podcast the gyst podcast make sure you come check us out on our social media uh instagram is something we're gonna have a lot of content coming your way on instagram so check us out What's our, what's our IG handle? Uh, GYST Podcast. GYST Podcast. So Glenn's had that up, and he's also using the hashtag. 
We're going to have... Hashtag. Hashtag GYST podcast. GYST, get your shit together. Pow. Hashtag good shit squared. Good shit squared, player. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, good images for you, behind the scenes stuff. We're going to have some stories that we've created on there as well. So come check us out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'll follow you back. Um, as long as you're a valid account, of course. We don't want no bots. We don't want no fake marketing accounts. No bullshit. So... Once again, thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for another fantastic episode of the GYST Podcast. Signing off. Kyle Reed. Glenn Rocks. Rod Rahila. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our GYST Podcast. We hope you learned how to get your together.